Can your color television answer you back? This pie set with teletext can. Ask it some questions. How did Everton do? Everton won, Stoke won. What's the latest news? <laughs> Very likely. Tomorrow's weather. Looking up, and Pi Teletext can answer thousands more questions like these. Pi Teletext with full remote control from around £375. Shouldn't your next colour TV answer you back? Carl Atrell, and this is Teddy Text People. In this episode, we speak to Steve Rosenberg. He is Russia editor of BBC News and also set up a fledgling teletext service at the fall of the Soviet Union. I started by asking Steve what got him into teletext in the first place. So my my interest in teletext goes way back to, I'd say, probably 1975, when I was about seven years old. And I remember, I used to watch a lot of telly, a lot of telly, when I was little. I'd sit in front of the television set, and I remember, it must have been around 1975, when the BBC showed this kind of promotional film about teletext, about CFAX, I think. This is CFAX or something like that. And I remember Angela Rippon presented it, the newsreader. And I was spellbound. I was totally spellbound because there, here, here she was talking about this kind of electronic newspaper that appeared on, on the television screen. A team of BBC engineers have been helping to plan what can best be described as a revolution. A revolution, that is, in communication, and one that will reach straight into the home through that familiar piece of furniture, the television set. What's involved is a programme system of an entirely new kind, for this one has been designed quite deliberately to put the ultimate power into the hands of every individual member of the viewing audience. The power, that is, to choose not just which part of the programme you want to watch, but also when. And it's all done at the touch of a button. I thought, well, this is, this is really space age. Anyway, it must have been another five years later that Dad you know, popped down to Radio Rentals and got the, the latest television set, which had a teletext decoder in it. So there we had CFAX, um, an oracle, in our living room, and it was amazing. And I just spent hours um, keying in page numbers and looking at all the, um, the information you, you could get uh, through teletext. And t- I loved it to such an extent, I used to write down, I used to go to page 101 on CFAX, and I used to write down every day all the headlines uh, on, on CFAX page 101 in, in a diary. So I've got this stack of diaries here, my news diaries, which are basically made up of the headlines on, on page 101 CFAX, which is quite fun to look back on all these years later. But I, I, I really loved it. Anyway, when I was a bit older, uh, maybe 16, 17, um, I wrote to CFAX and told them how much I loved CFAX and would there be any chance of doing any having any work experience um, in, the, in the CFAX newsroom or summer jobs. And, uh, and they eventually crumbled and said yes. So uh, I went to Television Centre, signed a contract, and did some summer work there. And it was just, it was just brilliant being part of the CFAX team, if only for a little bit. Uh, and then I, I did more work, more summer jobs for them, 
Uh, I remember I worked on the sports desk during the Commonwealth Games and uh, if kind of uh, updates um, for some of the, the, the Commonwealth Games sports events. I absolutely loved it. And I tell you what, actually, when I was writing stories, like news stories or sports stories um, at CFAX, it was such a good training for what was going to come in the future, right? For when, I was writing, when I'm writing radio dispatches or even when I'm tweeting today, kind of little news stories. Because, of course, the one thing that, that Teletext teaches you is to be pretty concise when you're writing those three or four paragraphs. Anyway, then I, I, I contacted Intelfax uh, to see if they had any uh, opportunities, openings for, for, for summer work. This is when I was already at university studying Russian. Uh, I went to university in Leeds, but I'd come back, during the, come back to, to London. I'm from, um, from North London during the vacations. And, um, and I, yeah, I did stints at uh, Intelfax uh, on Fortel, uh, doing you know, TV listings and TV reviews. Uh, and things like that and um, yeah that was amazing too and I met so many talented people especially like the graphics the people who did the graphics uh, there were some incredible graphics made I mean both at CFAX and and uh, Intelfax um, what was the name of the great Ian I think Ian, Ian Irving Ian Irving yeah he was a master of graphics um, so yeah, that's that, that. That was my my in to the world of uh, world of teletext. I always knew that I wanted to work in broadcasting in some form of broadcasting. So I finished my my I finished my course, my Russian course at, uh, up in Leeds, and uh, I went out to Moscow to work in August 1991. Uh, and my first job was teaching English at the Moscow Machine Tool Construction Institute. I got a job teaching English there. I was living in, in the hostel, um, and then suddenly the Soviet Union fell apart, right? I mean, you know, f about four or five months after I um, arrived in Moscow. So that was unexpected. There was lots of news, obviously, and I got a job with American television just in the evenings answering the phone. And then I discovered that at the Moscow TV Tower, they were doing experimental broadcasts, teletext broadcasts. There wasn't a proper service, it was all experimental. So I went to the Moscow TV Tower one morning and uh, managed to get in and meet the man who was in charge of their teletext experiments. He was really surprised to see, <laughs> to see me. This kind of Englishman had popped up at the Moscow TV Tower asking about teletext. Uh, anyway, when I said that I'd worked at British teletext, he was suddenly quite interested. Uh, so he introduced me to his team. And he showed me the equipment. It was all very basic stuff. Uh, and there was no kind of magazine or anything like that. It was all experimental. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how it happened, but um, they offered me a job doing uh, like a proper service. So I created MosText, which was like Russia's first um, teletext service. This was, uh, I this was um, part of the Moscow TV tower. So that was fun, but that, that lasted about three months, three or four months. Uh, and some friends came to help me with that. And we created Mozzie, you know, like Forty had uh, the dog as, as the, yeah. the, the emblem. Yeah. So we created Mozzie for Mostex, this Russian bear, which was quite fun. Um, 
so at, at that point I thought right no I need to do this properly or as properly as I can possibly try so I set up a company uh, and uh, managed to negotiate a deal with Russian state television you know the Soviet Union had collapsed and Russian state television was kind of the new channel to represent independent Russia the new Russia and uh, I got a deal with them to do the first proper regular teletech service I got some funding from the European Union which allowed me to uh, buy some equipment uh, some teletext equipment from from Intelfax uh, and they sent that out and some university friends came over to help me and we we, we set up at uh, in a room at Russian State Television to do I think it was three teletext services there was Ertel, which was the Russian language one, there was Artel, and there was a, a, an extra one, I think Eurotel, for the, for the, for the European Union. Uh, so there we were, um, with a couple of um, keyboards, and uh, we had an Atom from Intelfax, and it was enormous fun. We, I, I did this for a year, and the one thing I learned at the end of it was that I am not a businessman. <laughs> we didn't earn a penny. <laughs> we didn't earn a penny. Um, it, it, and the funny thing was that all the kind of the, the senior officials at Russian State Television who kept poking their heads around the door, you know, they, they must have thought, oh, look, there are some foreigners. They must be earning millions and millions of dollars or pounds or whatever uh, with this project. We weren't earning anything. We were just losing money. But it was such fun to do these... Um, these teletext services. We, we did news. We managed to get news, I think, from Reuters. We did travel reports. We did weather. Um, there was a there was a fun page, of course, with his jokes. Um, and it was it was just enormous, enormous fun. But sadly, uh, the, you know, inevitably, I realized that, oh, my pockets are empty. I can't carry on doing this because <laughs> it's a financial disaster. <laughs> And uh, I realised I had to get myself a, a proper job, a regular job. Um, I'd left the institute, the teaching job. So I eventually went back to American television, to CBS, and got a kind of a, a regular job there. That led to the BBC in Moscow in 97, where I became a producer and then a reporter and a correspondent. Uh, and I've been um, with the BBC, yeah, ever, ever since. But I always look back with great fondness uh, at my days uh, trying to make it with Russian teletext. And it's a fun story to tell people. I don't really, very few people know actually. Just a reminder that if you're listening to this on your favourite podcast app, you can also find this on the YouTube channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can find us on your favourite podcasting app. You can find out ways that you can help with the show in the show notes. So with the um, with with the with the Russian services, then was that carrying Cyrillic text or was that carrying sort of like a European uh, text? So, um, yeah, we, we did several services. So there was a Cyrillic service uh, in Russian, Ertel, uh, Russia Tel, Russia Tel. 
that was done in Russian. Then we did an English language service, uh, the RTEL, and then the I think the Eurotel may have been in in, in Cyrillic as well. So um, that was quite tough. Uh, Russian state television, I think, provided some people to help us with the Cyrillic services, um, and we basically taught them all we knew at the time. Um, about what Teletext was and how to do it and how to arrange it and how a Teletext page should look like because, of course, that takes some time to get used to, you know, making one. And, um, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was really good. I never actually took my equipment back. The equipment that I bought with that European Union money, I think it must still be at, <laughs> at Russian TV now, although I, I doubt that they're still doing a Teletext service with it. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you have quite a following? Were there many viewers that used to uh, get back in touch? It's a good question, actually, Carl, because of course there were no, um, you know, surveys on Teletext at the time, so it was very difficult to know how many people were watching us. We had, I remember, we had problems uh, transmitting in Moscow for some reason. Once I moved away from the TV tower and set up with Russian state television. The TV tower, I think, was preventing us from actually transmitting in the Moscow in, in the Moscow area. So we were going out outside of Moscow, across Russia, and to former Soviet republics, and we would get letters from time to time uh, from all kinds of places, actually, because we ran competitions. I remember uh, because it was one way of trying to find out who was who was watching us, and we we get letters from all all, all over the place. Yeah, but it was difficult to say how many people uh, were actually watching us because there weren't too many um, decoders in television sets uh, in, um, in Russia at the time. Do you know, in, in Soviet times, uh, of course, there were no uh, teletext decoders in, in, in Soviet television sets, um, which tended to explode. Uh, I think exploding television sets was one of the main causes of house fires. In, in, but after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, yes, then you had uh, Western uh, electronics coming into um, into Russia big time. So eventually, yes, televisions with teletext decoders uh, were, were on the market. Uh, and, you know, the, a lot of the, most of the, the Russian-made uh, electronic equipment, uh, television sets, for example, kind of disappeared. You know, so many companies went bankrupt, so many Russian companies uh, closed down in the, in the 1990s. It was a very difficult time. For, for the country and for the, for the Russian economy. Uh, but there were lots of Western goods coming into the country. So eventually the number of uh, teletext decoders uh, increased. But I think, you know, whereas teletext began in the 70s, right, in, mm. in the UK, it all began much later, of course, in Russia. So by the time things got going, the internet age, you know, had, had, had started. So... Um, Sadly, Russia, I think, missed what we enjoyed so much in the UK. You know, we had 30, 40 good years of, 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 of teletext uh, in Britain. And Certainly. it became such a part of our lives, didn't it? And, and so popular with viewers. That never really happened, um, sadly, in, uh, in Russia. Already, you know, the internet age was, was upon us. So, um, uh, you know, that made a big difference. Yeah, so did anyone uh, continue the reins after you uh, left to go to uh, CBS? Did anyone else uh, stay to keep the service running? I think that uh, Russian state television kept it on 
So they took it over basically mm-hmm. uh, after after we departed. But I don't think it it became a big thing. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think so. Uh, I never actually met anyone who'd seen it or <laughs> or used it, um, which is a bit sad. Now, I don't know whether that's anything to do with the. It, it must it must have something to do with the fact that it started much later. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Would, would it be um, a, a cultural thing as well uh, with with um, dissemination of information at all? Would it be that um, the, the appetite to, to to read something that was coming to you on on a, on a television? Um, I don't know. Would be would be would be treated um, in in a different way, maybe to uh, somebody looking at saying in the UK. I'm not sure about that. I think I mean Russians are avid readers. Right. I mean, you have to be an avid reader to get through Tolstoy's War and Peace, right? mm. which is such a massive, a massive book. And I remember um, when I was studying in, in, in Soviet Moscow right, in 1989, in my year out, and I travel on the underground, on the metro, and everybody would be reading, uh, whether it's a book or a newspaper. Um, people here are, are avid readers. There's no doubt about it. Today, of course, it's very different. You know, you go into the metro and people are looking at their phones, you know, not reading newspapers, not reading books so much. But um, there is a culture of reading and the written word here. So I don't think it's a question of, uh, of that. I think just things got going much later. You know, television started here later than it did in, uh, in, in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything started a bit later. And um, as I say, when I went to the the television tower in Moscow in in 91, they were just doing experiments in teletext transmissions, whereas, you know, teletext had begun when regular transmission, right, in in, in the UK or something like that. So Britain was really leading the world in that. What was the most favourite thing that you you did? You mentioned you did uh, three um, services. Uh, what was the uh, what was the what was the thing that you enjoyed doing the most on on the services? Was it the graphics or was it the sports pages or anything like that? I think it was the jokes page. I mean, you know, you need a sense of humour to to survive uh, to survive in this country, uh, and you need a bit of a laugh. And so we we all enjoyed doing the jokes, and we had a. a I had a, a great guy called Simon who was at university with me, who, who was brilliant with graphics, and he did uh, wonderful graphics to go with um, the, the, the jokes page, uh, and that was nice. And but you know, going back to when I was at the television tower and in these this experimental teletext transmissions, I think I still have a soft spot for Mozzie, Mozzie the bear, and I, and I've got somewhere in a cupboard, in a dusty cupboard, some photographs that we took from the screen, took off the screen of uh, Moss Text and Mozzie the Bear, which didn't come out very well, but they still, I still look at them from time to time and bring a smile to my face, you know. Um, but, you know, I realised uh, that to make it work, you needed to be basically a, not only uh, a fan of Teletext, but a, but a businessman as well, you know. Mm. And, uh, and none of us were. You know, we did it for the love of, 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 of teletext and we, we really enjoyed creating something new that hadn't existed before. And that was fun. But uh, fun didn't pay the bills, unfortunately. <laughs> we were young and we were enthusiastic and uh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it was inevitably going to come to an end, I think. 
Yeah, it must be something in the British psyche that we all love our sheds, don't we? But whenever money gets involved, <laughs> um, the, the wheels come off and then, then someone else comes to the rescue, normally from from abroad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I was f- fresh out of university. I was full of enthusiasm. And uh, I've still got a lot of enthusiasm, I have to say. But, um, you know, I thought, why not try and do it? And and uh, and we did do it, you know. And... Um, um, it was it was an achievement at the time. There was I'll never forget the time that we um, it was Christmas, and we thought we we'd better kind of take out the bosses of Russian state television and you know show willing, uh, and so we went to I think it may have been a British pub or something similar in Moscow. There used to be things like that mm. here in the nineties, and uh, we sort of treated them to some sandwiches and some you know beverages and I remember sitting there and then you know the the beverages were brought and disappeared within seconds and then they 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 were waiting for the next round and so I don't know how much we spent um, buttering them up uh, that uh, that evening but I think I think we almost went bankrupt uh, with that little Christmas uh, Christmas do there but uh, no it was it was it was it was great fun you know I mean you know, to, to be able to say now that we that I set up a company and, and got a deal with state Russian state TV and did teletext, it's um, <laughs> it's good fun, uh, and I I love the fact that uh, that I went on to you know, become a BBC journalist. And as, as I say, I always wanted to work for the BBC, mm-hmm. and I always loved teletext. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in in a way, kind of you know, mm-hmm. going on to, to to work for the BBC in Moscow and producing reports, and you know it. it brought me full circle really and as I say the, the, the training in teletext uh, stood me in good stead for, for what I do now uh, I think mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I'll, I'll always be be grateful for that and I you know maybe it's nostalgia but I, I really think there's something special about teletext you know and I know the internet's wonderful and I know you you know you select a page and it comes up instantly and that's that's great and with Teletext, you had to wait a few seconds. But there was something beautiful about the simplicity, about the, the sim- simple layout. There was something just beautiful about the, the news flash, you know, 150. That I just, it, it was a very special thing, you know. And it was the, at the time, it was the only way you'd get the latest information, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I, I, was, I was sad when, when the, and it was finally turned off, mm. you know. I think it's it was sad to see that that era going. Maybe it's just you know nostalgia, and I'm thinking back to to childhood. But I I really I really you know miss teletext, miss CFAX. Mm. There aren't many people that I know here who were you know interested in in stories about teletext. But um, it was a special moment in my life. And as I say, I've got a I've got a a soft spot for teletext and for CFAX and and for what we try to do here um, in the in the crazy 1990s you know the 1990s was a totally crazy decade uh, in Russia it it was a time you know just after the fall of the Soviet Union when there was chaos when millions of people fell into poverty when you had the oligarchs this small group of people becoming super rich overnight through their connections, becoming oligarchs. 
you had crime, you had shootouts, but you also had hope. There were people hoping because of freedom of speech, because uh, you know there were television channels criti criticising the government. So there was hope that Russia was somehow going to make it to a better place. And amid all this kind of chaos, um, there was little old me, or little young me, trying to set up a teletext service. Well, you know, it was all against me, wasn't it, really? But, I mean, it was fun to try. And, um, uh, you know, I gave it... I think I must have done RTEL for about a year. We gave it about a year. And um, Intelfax was great. And, you know, they not only provided or sold the equipment, but they provided all the technical support. We had some issues and they sorted them out and they, were, they provided a lot of support. Um, but you know they couldn't turn me into a businessman uh, and make me succeed <laughs> but I'm proud of what we did I'm proud of what we did uh, I only know a couple of bit, bits of Russian and that, that, that's uh, Spasiba and uh, Dosvidanya yes so, very uh, good so yeah very no. good uh, alright yeah Dosvidanya and thank you very much again Steve uh, uh, stay Welcome. safe stay safe thanks very much take bye care bye 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 now. to Teletext People. Teletext People is presented by me, Carl Attrell, and is a Bite High No Limit production. If you want to help with the hosting of this podcast, please look in the program notes where you can click a link and just send us a tip.